0: What's up, everybody? This is Nick Catanese from Black Label Society, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
1: Hey, everyone, this is Xander Diemitz, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Oh!
2: and welcome to episode 122 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host John. Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal and blues music scene. Episode 122, what do we got for you today? We've got Pittsburgh's own Xander Demos, uh incredible guitarist we had a track of his on the George Lynch episode a month and a half or so back we had a really good sit down with Xander uh talked a lot about his influences how he got to where he is uh and where he's going so we will be talking to him and also keeping in the theme of Pittsburgh guitarists we have joining us from Black Label Society Mr. Nick Catnise so before we get into the interview we're going to play a track from Nick uh this is actually Nick and Zach Wild on an acoustic tour doing a track called Spoken the Wheels uh, an incredible song. Uh, I believe you can still get this on iTunes for a while. This was an acoustic iTunes exclusive, and then I believe this is the same recording that's on the Scullage package. So, this is "Spoken the Wheel" from Black Label Society.
3: The tune is <laughs> a song called "Spoken the Wheel." One, two, three, four. Whether I can take much more. You may live as I lay here bleeding, babe. Oh, yeah. No more after will be before. The you before me yeah. Someday you'll know just how it feels Shattered cast the sides with pride like you were never nothing special, Dawn Made to feel like another spoken word You say I'm just another doctor, baby. You say I'm just another day Once my blood was strong But now it's jaded and it's thin Unlike you I can still tell right from wrong It feels. You left me there to rise before fall. Yeah. Someday you'll know just how it feels. Shattered cast aside, stripped of pride. You were never nothing special, baby. Maybe another's broken wheel. Sad to be a like you were never nothing special, baby. Made it feel like another spoken love. Thank you very much. So how's it going out there? All right, we've only had three brawls tonight, so we're doing good. Jesus Christ, these black label people, you can't stop them. So this is the Allentown chapter, am I correct? Yeah. Lehigh Valley. There you go. Lehigh Valley chapter. I don't, want, I don't want to fuck that up. I don't want to get my ass kicked up here, okay? So... The show
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show, Hometown Hero Nick Catneys. How you doing, Nick?
3: Good man,
0: how you doing?
2: I am doing great. Um you Good. just just came off the road from a South American stint and I guess yeah. in my mind. How was South America? How did it treat black label?
0: Oh, it was great, man. I mean you know, crowds are insane there. It's it's uh you know, it's almost like the, they're deprived of rock music or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh it's no it's amazing. I mean it's uh you know the crowds are you know we are, you know, obviously well recepted and, and the people, you know, and they, you know, treat us great, and and, um, you know, I mean, it was for two weeks, and you know, I got to see, you know, a lot of the different places, and you know, Cumballo and and uh, Argentina and Chile, and stuff. So it, it's a, uh, you know, it's cool.
2: The cool learning experience. Would could you compare or contrast the European crowds? Because I know you guys did a pretty long stint in Europe recently. I mean, is it is similar kind of fans or, or one more, uh, you know, star from uh, the battle than the
0: other? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. It. You know, it just depends on, you know, the crowd anywhere you go. I mean, you can get a really ballistic crowd here, you know, but then uh, like Poland was crazy. I mean, they were just like, it looked like the big vortex of people, you know, going yeah. in a circle. And it was, so, I mean, it's just, I think it depends on, the, you know, People go go crazy over there, and and you know, and do that. You know, just playing big is cool. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like you know, it's kind of hard to say you know who's who's crazier than another. But it's yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of places that we play to people just go ballistic.
2: Yeah, yeah. You you kind of hear that. You get this kind of stereotype. I think we do in America that the European yeah. fans are very knowledgeable. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and the Brazilian yeah. fans are just you know happy to see you.
0: Without mm-hmm. uh, but. But
2: a doubt. Yeah. So um I had heard you read uh, ran into a, another local guy on the tour, Reb Beach. You met up at a festival. <laughs> yeah. That was the first time you met Reb?
0: That was the first yeah, yeah, that was the first time. And it was funny because he said to me, I walked in, I said, Hey man, I'm Nick. He goes, Finally He goes, Finally we met. And everybody, you know, goes up to him and says, you know, Okay, you're from Pittsburgh, do you know Nick Catney? And he's like, No, he's like, I never met him and like finally he's like, the circle's now complete. We have the yeah. you know, we 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 both met he's a sweetheart. And he's yeah. like Great guy, and you know, just a shredder, too. I mean, he's still killing it. You yeah. know, him and him and not, uh, Doug Aldrich. yeah, that's a that's just a killing hell of a deal, yeah, 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 I yeah, it's crazy know.
2: to this day. I would still be able to do whatever it is. Rev does when he starts tapping mm-hmm. uh, vertically across the neck, is just insane. oh, forget it,
0: forget it, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's yeah, and he's his, amazing.
2: His motor is running 24 hours a day, too, you know. I mean, he. You know, oh, he finish up something with of winger, and he's off the White Snake, and he's got a solo album thrown in the mix, and
0: yeah, yeah, I don't think that guy blinks.
2: No. I mean, he's,
0: he's, he's on fire.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or he's, he's on a lot of Red Bull or something. He's exactly,
0: he's, he's exactly. Moving. Let me ask you.
2: Let me ask you a question that I think now, maybe a, a couple of years post Zach's health scare, that you know, and we've heard about a sobriety. Now that you know Zach is no longer with Ozzy, and, and you know, had some health issues. How is how would you say the band's focus has changed now that this is kind of Zach's main full time job? I mean, is it
0: a oh, little hundred No, it's. I mean, it's it's full on now. I mean, it, there's there's no other distractions. I mean, having the studio at his house now. It, it's you know that's why order came out so good. least I mean, it just he wasn't paying anybody. He was just going up. But if you have an idea, just wake up in the morning, go up to the studio, lay it down. And, and you know, it's just a hundred percent black label now. It's, it's, you know, and plus, you know, him being, uh, you know, like, like his focus is just so strong mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, I think it's the strongest the band's ever been right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, it seems like, uh, it's a
0: lot more fun, you know what I mean? It's like that's yeah. you know on stage, people are like you guys like you have so much fun. I mean, we hug each other after the show. Uh, you know, on stage, we're always laughing, we're smiling at each other. I mean, it's, it's not an act. I mean, we all I mean, we enjoy being on stage together. It's it's, yeah. it's yeah. A, you know it's a brotherhood. I mean, all four of us go into war together. I mean, it's 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 basically four of us against how many thousands of people in the crowd. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. We have to make our stand and, and you know do what we do and make it the best show possible for the people.
2: Yeah, I, I can tell that you and uh, JD, just from the from Twitter and things like that. You guys seem uh, pretty inseparable, and you can oh, it, certainly yeah, see I mean, that.
0: Yeah, I mean, he and I are like freaking frack, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after the show, we're playing you know NHL hockey on Xbox, and just um, you know, we love hanging out together, see seeing and stuff, and it's you know basically. You know what's crazy is is the first time in '98 we went to Amsterdam together. We took a picture on this on this uh bridge mm-hmm. over you know over like the canal or whatever. And in 2011 when we went back to Amsterdam, we found the same place and took a picture. You know how many years later? Yeah. It's, it's like you know we came back together and, and it's uh you know it's cool that you know to have somebody like that when you know when you're
3: born or like the older you get. Yeah, to to leave and, and to be away from
0: home and you know my fiance and my dog my cat my folks my you know just just mm-hmm. normal life absolutely so you know so when you go out and have like Jay and Zach and, and and the guys it's it, it it makes it that much easier yeah you know because you still have your family there too yeah so it's uh I, you know bands that don't get along I don't understand it I mean I don't know how you deal with it like. Yeah. You know, touring's, and touring's hard enough, let alone if you hate each other. I mean, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah.
2: It, it certainly happens. I think, you know, it, it's pretty easy. You know, these bands, you know, there's a zillion of them throughout the history of time. They made they made the album, they got popular, and then they kind of almost regretted the people they got popular with.
0: You but know, the, it, it, turns into, it turns into ego and it turns into greed. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, you kind of lose sight on... The reason why you're actually there, mm-hmm. and, and and that's where, you know, the way the black label is, it's, it's 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 you know, it's just it's been the same system. I've been there for 15 years, you know. So it's like, yeah, that's you know, it, it's you know, it, you know, I know the the methods. I know the way things run, and it's mm-hmm. like once you, you know, once you do it, it's just like this is awesome. I mean, you get to go out and tour the world, play music, and make money, and just go home. So. I don't see an issue with it.
2: Yeah. Really, it's uh,
0: just other people are, people are like, well, I want to be more popular than him. And it's just like, dude, why? You know, it's like you're forgetting the reason why you even play an instrument in the first place. It's not to, you know, be the head. cheese. it's just to have fun and play guitar or whatever you play. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, people just really, their ego you know, gets blown out and it's, that's where you lose all sight of reality. Yeah. And, <laughs> you I, know, I,
2: just not all that long ago, I spoke to George Lynch, and it's refreshing to yeah. hear your comments after hearing George's stories. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he had I don't know if you followed George Lynch much, but he just re- re-recorded basically a new version of Mr. Scary. And when I oh, asked wow. him, I asked him why, you know, why now after all these years do you redo the song? And he said basically because Don didn't want to let it be in rock band or something along those lines because Don had a writing oh, god. You know, when you think about that, it's almost yeah. like people are going out of the way to spite it. People in their own band, and that's just
0: yeah. Well, it's just like you know why would Don Dawkins care? His voice ain't even in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and I know you know George is a good friend of mine. I mean, and you know he's you know let the guy have have his song.
2: Yeah, you know,
0: it's just you know why why be a jerk about it? Yeah, but you know, of course, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors, and you know none of us know the story, so it's you know. You can only assume what you hear. And, you know, I mean, George is my friend, so I'm going to take his word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: I never know. Um, It's
0: crazy.
2: Speaking of bands that have have had a little bit of an issue, um, Mm -hmm. you're going to be hitting the road with Judas Priest and obviously the departure of K.K. Downing. um, But uh, I I seem to notice just through different things I've read that you and Richie uh, have... uh, become pretty good friends do you want to talk a little bit about his role in the band and also what being on the epitaph tour kind of means to you as is the fan who grew up listening to judas oh
0: god (laughs) it's amazing i mean it's you know even playing that one show we did you know over in europe with him it was just being able to stand on the side of the stage and you know how comes out and just Mm -hmm. i mean he's the guy i mean you just look at him and you're like oh my god like it's it's him he just, you know, he's like Darth Vader of, of, metal, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and Richie, I mean, he's just a sweetheart, man. He's a big Star Wars fan, so immediately we hit it off.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, he had, you know, right before he went on, he he called me over to a side of the stage to show me he had this Boba Fett sticker on his guitar, you know, on <laughs> his one white SG. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be anything hanging out with the guys. And, and uh, you know, Richie's tearing it up, though, man. I mean, he's, 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 uh, you know, it's almost like he brought some sort of new, new, uh, fire to the band. But I mean, yeah. you know, it's, you know, but I mean, it would have been great to see him with KK. But, I mean, obviously, Certainly. like we said before, we don't know the exact behind the stories of what happened. So, I mean, there's yeah. obviously a reason, but, but I mean, it's going to be an honor, you know, to, yeah. to be on, you know, be on tour, you know, with Priest for that whole time. I mean, it's doing all arenas and, you know, it's going to be be a lot of
2: fun. Yeah, I have to admit even, even the thought of seeing Thin Lizzy um, yeah. you know, is, is going to be cool because I mean, they've got yeah, such ter- terrific material over the years. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Richie in Star Wars and I, I have yeah. to ask your opinion because I know you're a Star Wars nut. Uh, yeah. Geor- yeah. George Lucas uh, Oh God, came out I straight. know. Yeah, I does know. that make a
0: or- Yeah, it's, you know, like having him yell no when he throws the, throws the, uh, emperor over and and, like if you listen closely it's the same no that he does at the end when when uh when the emperor tells him that that uh that his chick died yeah so it's the same sound like that he like stop just stop I mean you you know you're messing with Star Wars like messing with my emotions man I mean come on you don't do that I mean just Let it, you know, let it be the way it was, man. You know, but whatever. I mean, George Lucas is one of my higher powers. So, uh, you know, whatever he does, you know, I might sit there and cringe a bit, but I know I'll watch it. Yeah. You know,
2: know, I I, I know when they added versions or little snippets of CGI to the the last go around. And I remember uh, sitting there for the movie going. All right. Now, was that new, or Did I just forget that was there? You know, I, I had to like sit there mm-hmm. and try to remember it, because you know I don't mm-hmm. have every scene memorized, but quite a few.
0: Right. Right. You know. Yeah. No. It's it's. You know, everybody asked me what I thought of like the first three, and I loved them. I mean, it's you know, it's a story. Like what you found out was basically the whole thing is a story about Darth Vader. That's the yeah. whole. That's the whole story. You know, people are like, man, I didn't want to see a kid, and I'm like, he had to grow up somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I it's thought,
2: that. especially yeah. um, episode three, I thought it did a really good job of kind of bringing them oh, all my, together.
0: Oh, my. Oh, dude, that battle scene at the end with him and Obi-Wan, when he mm. chops his left off, and I mean, I was like, holy hell, now, you know, now you we know, you know what the hell happened.
2: Yeah. Now, um, one of the things that I guess I, I kind of follow you on Twitter, and I, so I, I learned about your obsession with Star Wars. Um, mm. The use of social media, I mean, you guys have got. You know, collectively, a pretty big fan base around the globe, um, mm-hmm. and and Zach is is sort of uh, infamous for his tweets and and you know some of the nonsense that comes mm-hmm. out of him. Um, how does that change? I mean, you, you've been a, a touring musician well before the advent of social media. How how is this better or worse to be able to get fans have access to you, you access to the fans, you know, around the
0: world? Um, I think it's a double-edged sword. You know, I think it's 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 great in the fact that if you think about it from a fan's point of view, like if I could be able to tweet or email Eddie Van Halen back when I was fourteen years old or you know, or yeah. see Eddie Van Halen's poster, or see things like from his eyes like on stage, like I'll take pictures of you know, on stage or backstage or whatever and post it on Twitter, but at the same time it it kinda Starts people expect it, and it becomes like an invasion of privacy where your life becomes not um, yeah. not a secret anymore. Or, you know, like even, you know, even when I proposed the TIFF, like, mm-hmm. you know, people, oh, you know, let me see the ring, let me see the ring. And I'm like, don't post it. I'm like, something has to be ours. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and if, you know, she would have been excited and posted it you know some people would have been like oh that's nice but then you would have had some jackasses going oh that's all you could afford Mm -hmm. you know and and blah 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 and it's like then it makes you feel like shit and it's like you know so that part of it you know it gave everybody a voice but then at the same time people don't know when to shut up sometimes you know and it becomes you know just an issue that uh it's really you know shouldn't happen but but i you know but like in a big aspect though i thought you know i think it's great i mean as far as advertising for shows or clinics or gigs or even if you want people to come out, I mean you can you can really pump it up as far as, you know, here's pictures, here's, you know, before this day, you know, before the the show starts, you know, here's the guitars, here's this. And there's a lot of great to it too. I mean
2: Yeah. It it,
0: yeah, Yeah. I mean people if people use technology to their advantage that's great. And then if you use it to make people miserable, that sucks.
2: Yeah. Have you? Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I believe it was yesterday before you posted somebody. I believe they had your signature tattooed on their arm. Have you had any kind of extreme, extreme fans like ones that kind of make you raise your eyebrow and you know, that the flood the Twitter uh, yeah. walks
0: and Yeah, like yeah. I mean, it's you know, there's 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 a point where you're like, you know, I'm a normal person. I mean, you know, just mm-hmm. I I live here. I get up and feed the dog and take her out and goes to the bathroom and stuff and it's like then you get people that are, you know, make you feel like it's <laughs> like a, a higher power or something. I mean, it's just makes you like, dude, I just, I just play guitar. Yeah. You know, I, I just play guitar and, you know, you could meet me on the street and you'd be like, buddies, you, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not anything. Where, but at the same time, I, you know, I think about it as, as uh, you know, I'm not comparing myself to Gene Simmons or Keith Richards, but for me, it's like you know, if I would Gene, or I got the friends with Keith you know Keith Richards or you know you know I'd be like wow you know because yeah. to me Keith Richards is you know like one of the higher powers I mean it's you know so if I met him you know it's just basically put yourself in their shoes
2: yeah you know
0: that that like that's where a lot of it you know I come up with just just be cool be yourself and, and you know just make some friends
2: yeah, yeah, it's it's good. You know, you're kind of in a place where you could you could put yourself on both sides of that equation. Right?
0: Yeah, and I, yeah, and I know what you mean. Just be cool.
2: I found myself not all that long ago in the same room with Dave Mustaine, and I have to admit it. He's yeah. kind of like, okay, just breathe here another minute. He's just a guy yeah. with puffy, puffy hair. exactly, exactly. You know, but
0: exactly. exactly. you know, but also when you think about it, he was a big part of your life.
2: Absolutely.
0: You know, so that's that's where it becomes like you don't know what to say because that person's been so significant in, in you. Yeah. You know, that, that's where, yeah. you know, when I met, you know, when I met Paul Stanley, it was the same way I'm looking at. him I'm like, I had a kiss lunchbox in kindergarten, man. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, now this guy come up to me and said, Hey Nick, like he knew my name. I'm like, yeah. holy cow, man. You know, like if you would have went back when I was in kindergarten saying Paul Stanley's going to know you, I'd be like, what? You know, give me a break. He, you know, he's not going to know me, but he's, you know that was it was
2: huge. Yeah, I, I can't I can't even fathom that one. I mean, that's about yeah. as higher of a higher power as you get. In my exactly, opinion. exactly. You know, as much as I love Star Wars too, I, I think uh,
0: kiss.
2: Yeah, yeah, kiss and Harrison kiss, Ford. Kiss. I don't know which one I would uh, yeah. pass out from quicker.
0: Mm, totally.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, one question I did have to ask you, uh, talking about extremes and addiction. Um, your passion for Snapple, how did that come
0: about? <laughs> I, I knew dude, honestly, I don't know. I, it's, I, dude, I've drank Snapple from the time I was in high voltage. Like every time we'd stop at Sheets or mm-hmm. any convenience store when we were out, I would peach Snapple, you know, or like if they don't have peach, just lemon. And, uh, it's just always, it's, it's that one thing where, you know, everybody has their, their crutch or whatever. And it's like, I uh, I love that shit. I am like I'm like all I need is an endorsement. You know, exactly. just give me an endorser with Snapple. I'm like that would that would be that would be the shit. Signature. So, I think Ar- yeah. Ar-
2: Arnie Palmer got his own uh, signature line of Arizona Ice tea. Maybe we could work with the Yeah.
0: The- well even Brett, you know, Brett Michaels has a Snapple. You know, oh. that that uh, that Snapple that he came up with with the um, the apprentice.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. Brett, Brett's playing on a different level of marketing than I.
0: Think. Oh, totally, totally.
2: There's a guy. It's funny because people vilify Gene Simmons, I think, uh, for his entrepreneurism. But if you
0: look at that's you know, just jealousy, dude. Yeah, that's just jealousy. If again, anybody that puts him down is just like, oh my god, I can I can't believe I didn't think about that. Exactly. You
2: know, he just did it first. Brett Brett seems to be following right on the uh, crest of that wave, and uh, even ACDC is another one. I think they kind of quietly go under the radar, but, you know, you walk into a Walmart, you can walk out with a lot of ACDC gear.
1: Without a doubt.
0: It's everywhere. Yeah, so. Yeah. uh,
2: I don't think a a Snapple uh, endorsement is such a bad thing. If anyone from Snapple. I
0: don't know. I'd love it. So not, I would love it. I welcome it.
2: I'm trying to remember what company. I know it's owned by the same company that owns Seven Up. So maybe we can uh, reach out to them and see what we can yeah. do. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right, Nick. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time. I don't want to. Oh, uh,
4: not a problem, John.
2: pick up too much of your day, and uh, thank not you for coming problem. on the show, man.
4: Absolutely at any time. I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but never had the time. Then I heard about Progressions Music Studio. Progressions introduced me to an entirely new and convenient method of music instruction. They brought the music to me. The instructors from Progressions Music Studio came to my home with their knowledge and expertise, which saved me time and money. They worked around my schedule and tailored a program around my needs and skill level. Best of all, I learned to play music like a guitar king of the 1960s. We didn't spend all of our time with drills or tunes from the 1860s. Progressions Music Studio offers a lot more than guitar. In fact, they have instructors for almost all instruments. Now I can rock it out on my electric like never before. Just imagine what they can do for you or the budding musician in your family. Don't make excuses, make music. Check them out on the web at progressionsmusicstudio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-O-N-S, musicstudio.com. Or call 724 777 4678.
2: All right, big thanks to Nick Cadneys for coming on the show. Wanted to bring it to your attention. We are giving away a Nick Cadneys prize pack. It includes a 8x10 autograph photo of Nick and some guitar picks and some other goodies. So to enter, you can do one of uh, four different things. You can mention us on a tweet on Twitter. We are at ironcityrocks.com. You can tag us on your Facebook wall. Um, If you're not familiar with how to tag, you type the uh, at symbol and then start typing Iron City Rocks, and you'll get a drop-down, and you can pick us from that. That'll let all your friends uh, read about us. You can enter on our website at ironcityrocks.com forward slash contest. And last but not least, you can go to iTunes, search for ironcityrocks.com, leave us a review of the show. Uh, it would help if you sent me an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com to let us know you did. By doing that, you will triple your odds of winning. So we really uh, want to encourage people to go on iTunes, give us a review, give us some feedback. Uh, that really helps us out tremendously. So without further ado, we are going to go into installment number three, uh, Tony and Aaron uh, on their producer series. If you haven't checked out the previous two episodes, uh, 121 featured... Uh, what the producer does, and I believe it was 120 uh, was the original one, uh, just about what a band needs to do before they go into the studio. So without further ado, we're going to get into the interview that Aaron did with Tony from uh, Total Music and Entertainment about what an engineer does.
5: All right. So let's move on a little bit more now to the role of the engineer. And okay. you kind of touched, touched on this difference earlier, but I was wondering if you could expand the
6: engineer. Well, I mean, the engineer's role primarily is to capture your performance in the studio. If we're just talking a recording studio now, I mean, um, an audio engineer's job, regardless of whether it's live or, or Memorex, so to speak, is to um, capture the performance and mix it in a way that when it comes out of the speakers, it sounds good. That, that doesn't mean telling the guitar player your sound's whack or, or the lyrics aren't right or the timing of the song's wrong. So long as you're capturing what they're playing, uh, it's up to then the producer or the band to decide whether it's in time or in tune or or whatever. But their job is primarily to capture it, record it, uh, make sure everything sounds.
5: All right. So... And, and this is kind of possibly my own ignorance showing through here, so an engineer, would that normally come with my studio in my studio time, or is that something as a band that I should be looking to find a recording engineer as well?
6: Well, you know, that's, that's not a bad question, man. That's a really good question, because there are studios where you actually have to bring your own engineer. There's a place in Nashville. That just, just, this, this is the first place off the top of my head. It's called The Castle. They've no. They got nobody there they got somebody who will turn on the, the light switch, turn on the machines, but you got to bring in somebody uh, who's a good engineer. Um, there are some places that, like, I go to that won't let me mix. You know, I mean, I'm an internationally recognized audio engineer, and you're not going to let me mix? I mean, that's just crazy. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So that's, that's uh, some of the things you really have to look for, you know, um, does the studio have an engineer is he a good engineer uh, when you get more in a to the big CEO uh, the more are uh, supposed to bring in your own engineer I would say.
5: so how can the engineer then make or break the recording so I've, I've heard a lot of mixing engineers talk about that if during the actual recording process things would have been captured differently it would make the mixing process easier so how do those two kind of go hand in hand here i guess
6: well that's another good question there i mean you're full of good questions here and i'm telling you (laughs) what Okay, we do a lot of like mixing down and that's that's taking tracks that were recorded by somebody else and we'll mix them down um so sometimes you'll just get something like you know Why did that guy record that like that? Um, You know, I get um, uh, more mellow uh, rock song and uh, we'll just say the guitar track. He wants chorus on it. Rather than record the track in stereo, the quote-unquote engineer there might have put like one mic up on the cabinet, another mic in another part of the room, and then Try to record that in stereo. So um, you know it, it, it's really in uh, you know capturing it as it's supposed to be, not using all kind of uh, to really achieve what you can easily achieve just by recording something in stereo with two mics. Um, a lot of guitar players, I try to tell nowadays, just because it makes your signal so much more cleaner, is record with these uh, like a Cabinet emulator and your effects pedals every every multi effects pedal board nowadays has what 's called a cabinet emulator in it
5: okay.
6: and uh, that allows you to record in full stereo right to the mixer without the need of microphones. see when you start adding microphones into the mixer and i don 't care how good of an engineer you are you 're going to lose uh, sound level
5: okay. um,
6: and that 's basically basically going to sound crazy but you're adding like what's called the noise floor. You're adding more noise, and that's noise that's being created when there's nothing played. So anybody who's recorded and stopped playing, they'll see maybe their meters are, are still like riding a little bit, and that's your, uh, that's your noise floor. Sometimes it could be something as simple as hiss from a distortion pedal or a keyboard or something, but the more you can take that stuff out of your mix... The better it is because what's happening is these components, distortion, a noisy synth, old synth, they are creating uh, a noise that's about, say, between 40 and 60 decibels, still reading on your uh, meter there. That's about as loud as I'm talking to you right now. So if you have maybe two or three devices, they're still running when, when there's nothing up. When, when you have a part that's being played and that part stops and say there's other instruments being played, you should eliminate that track. Because what's happening is if you have a couple takes of one instrument, say, and then you have it hissing while all the other parts are going on, that's like two or three people having a conversation underneath your song. When you start eliminating that, man, it, it brings it out more. The fidelity becomes greater. People don't really realize it until you actually get in there and start like doing that. But uh, any way that an engineer can take noise out of your recording and make it uh, louder, and I use that term loosely, uh, it, the better, especially nowadays because um, radios are uh, so caught up in how loud the song is. I've had great songs being turned on because it wasn't like loud enough. But everybody's pushing it, pushing it, pushing it to the loudest possible level. So, the louder you can record it, the better it's going to sound in the uh, in the end.
5: You bring up a couple of things there that, that I want to expand on. Um, I think I'll hold the loudness one till the mastering process because I have some um, talk on that one. Yeah. So, as, as far as as loud, like. I remember when I first started recording, like the early days of recording for me were always done on cassette tape. Yeah. And so um, my dad, when, when he would teach me to make um, recordings, he taught me, he's like, okay, here's, here's, you know, here's, here's your meter. And he's like, you want to try and get it about two, two or three dB into the red. And he would always have me do that when making a copy of like a record I'm on the tape. Yep. And it would be this really loud, really rich sound. And you know, the, and what I learned later is that was called tape saturation. And mm-hmm. when I started trying to apply that same theory in digital, all my all everything I recorded was horrible. So with digital, you have to stop at zero. How has the transition from, I guess, analog to digital affected like the loudness and the sounds and recording quality?
6: Well, I always use the example that you just said because I'm I'm old enough to remember analog, you know, tape. And zero, if your sound was at zero, it was too soft. You wanted to go to plus three or plus six. Um, in digital, zero, zero, and once you go over zero, it's it doesn't sound good. You get, you know, the distortion and whatnot. Now
5: that breakup. Yeah, yeah.
6: So what they'll teach you in, like, a college, say if you go to, like, full sail or something, is you want to basically have your, uh, your RMS, and that's your average volume. That's not the it's not the highest sound those are your peaks but your average sound you want that to be about negative 15 uh again that's what they'll teach you in a in a college uh duquesne here for people in pittsburgh full sail is a major college that um or school that teaches uh audio engineering and uh, other music business related fields um so, they'll tell you negative 15 is usually a good place. When you get to like a studio, like a real studio with real engineers, they're going to push it up to 12, uh, I'm sorry, negative 12 to negative 9. Uh, you don't really want to record over that because you want to leave yourself room again in the mix down. You might have to raise the volume of something later. And if you're already at like a negative 6 or negative 3, that only gives you 6 to 3 dB of headroom to bring something up before you'll uh, clip out. So I always tell people, you know, like uh, try to record about negative 12.
5: Hmm. All right, that's, that's definitely some good advice there, uh, especially for, for our, our, um, our listeners who are probably doing some home recording. Now, I also want to touch on the, the emulator. You talked about the cabin emulator. Hmm. How do you feel about Hardware versus software emulators. So, for example, like the, the Pod Line 6 line would be a great example of probably a very popular um, hardware cabinet emulator versus something like Amplitude, um, like Amplitude 3.0, right now, which is, again, also a very popular software emulator. How do you feel about those for recording? Which do you have a preference or do you see pluses and um, minuses with both? Well,
6: I'm a guitar player and I actually have Amplitude. I, have, uh, I don't have a Pod. But I do have a, a Digitech RP uh, model th- that I use. Um, you know, personally myself, when you're recording, I would re- I prefer to use the cabinet emulator to get as much of my sound down as I can. Now, with that said, you know, anybody with an earshot right now, you never want to record using reverb or delay. You always want to add that later. Because those kind of things are very hard to control after you record it. Uh, so I'll use, my, uh, I'll use my pedal. I'll get my, you know, if it's a rock song, I'll get my distortion down. May even get my chorus, compression. I'll work on reverb and delay, but I'll add that afterwards. Or I'll use an outboard reverb or delay that won't be recorded uh, as I'm recording, you know. Uh, so those kind of things will help you uh, get your sound down, like, right away. These other software things, it's pretty gnarly what you can do with it. I mean, uh, you can basically take a clean sound and make it sound like it's coming out of Jimi Hendrix amp at Woodstock or something like that, you know. Uh, they're neat, but you're kind of like, you can't really rely on that as your main uh, way of recording Um, only because I mean you need a super powerful machine to run it in real time with no latency Uh, and it's really not feasible to use like live right now so I mean I I highly recommend uh, getting like a nice little pedal board and building outward from that that way you have your sound no matter where you're at in the studio live i mean it's right there in that pedal board so you don't it's a seamless transition you can go play your song uh anywhere and it will sound the same anywhere
5: all right well tony thank you very much for this first segment here um on our recording segments i guess and then uh we'll be looking forward to catching up with you again later
6: well great man thanks a lot and um uh, i look forward to talking to you
3: again soon REO Speedwagon celebrates the 30th anniversary of the release of their iconic High Infidelity album. September 18th, 7.30 at Trim Total Media Amphitheater at Station Square. All those legendary hits from High Infidelity and more. Preserved seats are on sale now. At all Ticketmaster locations, Ticketmaster.com or by calling 1-800-745-3000. Presented by Drusky Entertainment and Pittsburgh Concert Group.
2: All right, special thanks to Aaron and Tony from total music entertainment that's t m entertainment dot com for coming on the show and and doing that series i I really enjoy it as a kind of a hobbyist musician. you can learn quite a bit from that uh'm sure many of you are probably in a similar thing play guitar, play drums, play keys whatever uh and a lot of the stuff has always been kind of a mystery, so I uh, really enjoy getting a chance to kind of learn what goes on behind the scenes so we hope you enjoy that. If you have any feedback on it, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. All right, without further ado, joining us on the show next, Xander Demas, uh, who had been, as I'd mentioned, on the George Lynch episode. He is going to be one of the opening acts at the Dio Disciple Show, which will be going on at Alter Bar on the twenty-third, I believe it is, of September, uh featuring Tim Ripper Owens on vocals. Uh, Tim joined us in episode 121 and also features Rudy Sarzo, a bass player uh, extraordinaire who has been on um, VH1's Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, uh, most notably to the rest of the world, Quiet Riot, uh, Whitesnake, so going to be a great night to see uh, some kind of big names, uh, some really great names in Pittsburgh rock and metal as well, so. The Dio Disciples at Alter Bar. You can get tickets if you go to druskyentertainment.com You can pick those up. A really inexpensive night as well. So I encourage you to check that out wholeheartedly. All right, before we get into the interview, I want to give you a taste of Xander's music. This is Right Angles, mixed by Mr. C.J. Snare of Firehouse. <laughs> Zone Xander demas how are you Xander?
1: i'm doing good thank you john great hey
2: um we had you once on the show uh with a track you had done with cj snare of firehouse uh got some really good feedback on that uh been paying a lot of attention to uh your, your facebook and things like that lately and uh you're kind of a guy that's uh, becoming very very hot uh, on the internet uh so i wanted to get a chance to to get you on the show get you to introduce yourself uh really to the region, uh, you know, as a Pittsburgh product, and talk about, you know, how did you get so damn good on guitar, quite frankly. So let, let me start with uh, your background. Um, how, what got you into guitar? What age? Uh, this,
1: this is a good one. This will make your listeners and, and yourself probably laugh out loud here. Um, if you if you notice by my style, I am kind of a poppy guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sometimes you, you hear, like, the shred aspect, of, uh, you know, guitar playing and people all night, they think, well, if he's shredding, he's got to be like Ingbe or something. Although I, I love and respect Ingbe playing very much. I, I always wanted a synergy of the, of like a poppier sound, like a more melodic hook and all that kind of stuff, which is why I think DJ and I work together very well. Um, yeah. I got into it, believe it or not, by like in the early eighties, uh, when MTV came screaming into my living room and I saw Brad Gillis of all people. Yeah. Um, from the Ozzy Osbourne. And playing a Night Ranger, okay. and um I, th- and I think when MTV was you know had those videos now they had like you know Brad Hills playing like the Black Sabbath classic, yep. like Paranoid and uh, Children of the Grave, and uh-huh. then then you know then you see Don't Tell Me You Love Me and all that kind of stuff on MTV, and they're all they're all only like five minutes apart, on you know because back then there just wasn't a whole lot of videos. Yeah, I he was really one of the driving forces that got got me really into it, and I have to admit that there was another guy. And a lot of people that know me, they, they laugh about this too. Michael Bolton, when he was yeah. metal, if you can believe it.
2: Yeah, Michael Bolton. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, we had uh, Bruce Kulick on the show who had uh, done some work with uh, with him. So yep. yeah, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, he co-wrote "Forever" with Paul Stanley. So you know, a lot of people yeah. kind of bash on the hair, but yeah, there's there's some metal head behind there. Yeah, there you. is. It's
1: the, the, the very early stuff. I mean, I mean, I was to the AOR stuff at an early age. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Boston, Journey. Uh, foreigner, I, you know, I came from that kind of school of rock right there. So when I heard stuff like, you know, like Fool's Came from Michael Bolton, which had a really cool, you know, over, overdriven, chorus y, distorted guitar, you know what I mean? And, you yeah. know, that with Brad Gillis, it was just like, yeah, this, this, I really dig the sound here. And, uh, that, that had to be the catalyst right there. It was probably, you know, like, you know, Thomas Schultz's guitar sound from Boston and, you know, even yeah. like lost like the super groups, all that stuff in the early 80s. That's where it started.
2: So you're you're kind of an arena rock guy for a, to yes. coin the term, yeah. I mean, and Tom Tom Schultz is a, is a great name, and I don't hear his name as much as I would think when I ask guitarists of influences. But uh, personally, I, I love you know some of the melodic leads like in uh, Peace of Mind and songs like that that are very singable. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely, I yeah. mean Neil Sean, I mean huge huge influence. Yeah. Um, you know Neil Neil's playing. I mean. Uh I think Neil Zaga once said it best when he said you can uh you know, you can sing a Neil Sean solo and that's true, you can. Yeah. Um you know, he he just he invites the memorable hooks and, and that's the stuff that hooks me in. I mean, yeah, I like to, you know, I love to stretch out do like the two handed tapping stuff and the two picks mm. stuff, but you gotta be able to sprinkle in like the, the really cool melodic stuff. Otherwise it just you know, it just sounds like a machine. I I, I that's why I, I don't want to ever ever want anyone to say, uh, oh, Xander he just sounds like a machine and that's that would be a that would be a rip to me, and I'd be like, I'll just hang my head down
2: in shame, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that's a great point because you can you can synthetically create, you know, sixty fourth notes if you wanted to, you know, right. if you, but you can't you can't build in the passion and the expression of, of what you're playing. Um, and it's it's good to have the extra gear if you want to speed it up because that that conveys an emotion when you're soloing, you know. But it's good right. to be able to slow it down appropriately when it fits the song. Certainly.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's and that is the, that's the important um, aspect of, you know, writing a song versus just kind of like noodling, you know what I mean? You yeah. Know, I think it's important to write a song. I mean, mm-hmm. and, it's, and that was one of the things that I think, you know, some people told me about Right Angles. Uh, you know, I would get some emails on Facebook or something else, and they'd say, you know, that damn song was stuck in my head all day. Thanks a lot.
2: Mission accomplished,
1: Yeah, exactly right. It's like my, my job here is not, I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I know. Uh, if you can write an earworm, that's the ticket. You know, you can, yeah, you can sweep pick and uh, and all that stuff out the the wazoo. But to write an exactly. earworm, that's a gift. So let's talk about uh, right angles. Um, There's a project you did. Um, can you kind of talk to me about the time frame and how CJ uh, became involved and when he became involved in that project?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, basically, uh, back in uh, February of this year. Um, I was uh, working out with some of the um, uh, like the endorsement deals i made in, at the NAMM show, mm-hmm. and uh, one in particular is one of the NAMM companies I'm using right now, ISP Technology. Um, I actually had just like friended them on Facebook. We were, me and the owner of the company were talking, and right underneath this post was CJ. Uh, CJ posted on Facebook. I'd become friends with him I think last year, uh-huh. and he just said that he was offering his mixing services and you know, engineering services to people. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you know, like, you know how you see a Facebook post that says, posted five seconds ago? Yeah. Well, I literally clicked on his name, hit the send message button, that a CJ, huge fan of Firehouse, love the melodic sound. I said, I'm a guitar player that's very, you know, very much in that vein, like with like where my writing is, at least I hope I am. Yeah. And um, I'd love to talk to you about it. And, he, I mean, not even ten minutes later, he emailed me back and said, uh, here's my phone number. Give me a call when you know when you get a minute today, and and, and from there on out was you know from that moment on. I think the first day we talked, we talked for probably an hour and a half on the phone. Yeah, we, just, we hit it off right away because I'm originally from um, like uh, the, the midwestern part of Florida, like an area like Clearwater mm-hmm. camp area, and um and he had he had moved there I think after Firehouse had already kind of broke into the scene back in like '92 or '93. Yeah, I and that's actually why we here.
2: Yeah, he went from like Charlotte to Florida to Wisconsin. Is it?
1: Yeah, I think he's near Milwaukee. Okay. And um, so him and I have had some great conversations, and I, you know, he just told me, "Hey, this is this is how I do this." And uh, I'll send you mixes. You tell me what you want me to add, and and if you want me to add stuff, move, remove stuff. Let me know how it goes. I sent him the uh, I sent him the raw track. Um, he sent it back, and I mean, it blew my doors off because it just sounded huge, and um. So I just told him I said, "Look, I want you to do the full length," and uh, he said, "Yep, yeah, no problem." So you know, me and my band are recording the full length now, and um, uh, that one, of course, will probably get a little bit of a change on it before it goes on the full length. But I, probably what you hear is most likely what's going to be on the full length album that's going to be due out in December.
2: Okay, so um, for the for the sake of of people that don't quite understand the technology. Are, are you guys doing this album in a, in a, like a proper studio and then kind of emailing tracks back and forth for him to mix or is, are you doing this on like a Pro Tools?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it in Pro Tools. Now, I mean, if, you know, if the studio's in my house, it is like relatively, I, now it's not soundproof, but it is sound enhanced. By that, I mean, I, you know, I, I have bass traps up when I need to put them up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have like the reflective foam, like the non-reflective foam, um, you know, in, in places where it needs to go. And where CJ was concerned from what, you know, our conversation, what he told me was, look, just get the stuff in there, send me the rough mix, I'll handle it from there. And and that's basically, like, the the engine by which we go, you know, um, which we drive this. It's basically like, look, I don't have to, like, put compressors and all this kind of stuff on the drums because he's going to end up doing that. Okay. And he has, like, the Midas touch when it comes to, like, you know, mixing this stuff because, you know, he, he just made, like, the original track stand out that much more. And just, you know, he just growls, you know, it just it, it has such a different feel to it. And, um, uh, you know, like he said, it, it sounds it's like it sounds more like a band, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it is a disrespect to the guy who did it before, not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically was just, you know, he gave me a certain mix. He was trying to make, you know, my playing stand out, but TJ was able to make my playing stand out as well as make it sound just bigger overall. I think that TJ has the tools to do it, but to answer your question properly, um I am just using I'm using Postwolves LE system. Okay. Um and I, I literally just send the files to him through uh, you send it and okay. uh, then you can through the wave files back and that's it. And I, I approve the mix and once we're done, um, you know, we just we say, Okay, next song and that's and that's pretty much our gonna be our pattern from here from September all the way to the end of October.
2: Excellent. Yeah, that's I think we're actually um if you're familiar with our show at all, we just started, uh, we're on episode three on this same episode that you're going to be featured on, on okay. the whole recording process. So uh, we haven't got quite to mixing and, and that sort of thing, but uh, I think that'll be a good lead-in, because I think to a lot of music fans, we really have no idea what the magic behind all of this is, you know? Right. right. And, I, and I think a lot of people's uh, experiences ended either... A Garage Band or a you know my era four track, you know. So we, great.
1: Well, that, that goes back to me too, John. <laughs>
2: yeah, pressure record. Don't screw it up. That's kind of you know a lot of people's recording experience.
1: But if you, but if you really think about that though, um, I, I, I got to give props to my keyboard player. My keyboard player, he is not a punching kind of guy. He looks uh-huh. at me and said, start from the beginning," and he and he and he'll go and do the whole thing from the beginning because. It just makes his chops on that particular song or whatever right. stronger, and I, I believe that you know that crappy old score track that we all messed around on, you know, where they said, "Oh, you can punch in on this," and then you listen to somebody that did a punch in, and it usually sounded like a disaster. Yeah, um, so like it was you. best to do the whole track over, and you you became better at playing that song. You know, in my opinion, I mean, I, I'm sure other people are like, "Well, I grew up in the digital era, so I, I'm you know I'm kind of a master of the punch in and all them, the crossfade and all that kind of stuff," and it's like. Well,
2: yeah, I had an after that. I'd rather just do the track over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing what you can do. I mean, I have not messed around with digital recording a ton, but it just in kind of roughing out some songs, you record, you know, a rhythm, uh, you know, a, a reverse riff, and you can just literally like, cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste. Oh, I want to do the bridge, cut, paste, cut, paste. I want to do the chorus, cut, paste, cut, paste. Before you know you have a four-minute song and you've only played three bars, you know.
1: That's that's true, and you know what, where that's most effective though. Honestly, is probably in like in certain local patches. We yeah. did a um, we my uh, my cover band. We did a uh, we did like a little four track demo, and uh, this is like four years ago. We recorded at you know a friend's house, and um, uh, we went through the same thing. We were, we actually were doing uh, because you know for a cover band we did four cover songs. So one of them we did was Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer." Mm-hmm. When we did that, um, the whole you know the whole chorus. Uh, like at the end when they go up,
2: oh yeah, up. yeah, it k- kicks up a half step or a whole yeah. step, I believe yeah,
1: yeah, it's like we did that one time through, and then our the guy engineering it just cut and pasted it right where he needed to go yeah. because it was consistent, you know, and it's is it's cheating yeah yeah, but we still it was still us doing it, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Hey, the fact that you did it once is is a testament. That that's the part where I always stop trying to sing along with the record because it's like the hell with that. You know, that's a <laughs> it's a tough note to hit. Um, so you talked about your cover band. Do you want to just uh, give us a name? And I know you guys have some some shows in the area.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, um... we're called, uh, yeah, we're called
2: yeah Into the Arena. Okay.
1: Um, we've been together five and a half years now, and uh, and we we normally play a lot in the east. Pittsburgh, like the eastern suburbs. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a show at Pluma in Irwin on the 16th. Um, and then we're also playing, um, uh, a place called Xander's and that's no relation to me. Everybody makes a joke about that, (laughs) but it's, uh, it's uh, a place called Xander's and Plum. It's probably one of the best places to come see us. You know, it's got like a, like a real like rock and roll type of stage, you know, and, uh, and we have a pretty good following there. We've been, we've been at it for quite a while. And, um, uh, so it's like that, that band, I mean, we, we have a really good energy about us. We, we know each other so well at this point, you know. So yeah. we've, we've actually got done things where, um, like if our singer recently, he couldn't make a couple shows, we had a fill in singer for him. And, uh, we, there's a couple songs that we never practiced before. We just learned them on our own and we went up there and did them and everyone was cheering wildly like we'd been playing the song for like, you know, five years or something. And so I think you get to a point where, you know, where, um, the once you have that chemistry with, uh, yeah, once you have the chemistry with my right guys, you can just say, "Hey, learn this song over the weekend, like as homework, and we're we're gonna play it next week." And, we'll do it. Um, yeah. So, and that's so that's uh, that's into the arena, and then my solo band is just just my my solo band is called mm-hmm. Andrew It's Not really all that embedded, but um, yeah. And there's some crossover between the two bands. There's members from both bands in sure. uh, it- in front of.
2: Into the arena—is that a, a just a tiny UFO, Michael Schenker tip of the cap, or was that just coincidental?
1: No, no, it was coincidental. Basically, we call ourselves that because uh, it was—we we started out. Uh, you got to remember, we started in June of 2006. Mm-hmm. We actually started out the year before as a Journey tribute band, so okay. we were like really focused on the, the big arena acts: Bon Jovi, Journey, Van Halen. I guess. Um, but you, you know, you know what I mean. So we mm-hmm. would do like those types of songs. And, um, you know, like Boston and Foreigner, we, we were doing, like, all of the the really big arenas and stuff. And then, you know, as time went on, we said, well, let's try some more dancey stuff. And let's try some more of this. Let's try some more of that. Let's throw a Dream Theater song in. Yeah. You know, we, we never actually got to play live. But we, were, we were talking about all kinds of different stuff. So it was almost like anything that was, like, stadium or arena rock ready, you know. Yeah. And um, and, that, and that's how it started.
2: Great. Now, I know as, a, as your solo band, you'll be playing um, Altar Bar on, I believe it's the 27th, if I'm not mistaken, yes. at the Altar Bar with the Dio Disciples. Uh, yes. I'm trying to remember who else is on the building at Deflehem and one other band is escaping me at the moment. Um, do you have other gigs in the, the near future
1: yeah, with the solo band, um, there's also, uh, uh, September 23rd, um, we'll be playing with, uh, Neil Zaza up in Geneva. Okay. Ohio. And then, um, we're still, we're still waiting on confirmation for a show with him on the 24th in Erie. Okay. But we haven't heard anything back, um, definitive on that. And then, um, I'll be playing, uh, solo band. We'll be doing the 28th on, uh, I'm sorry, October 28th at the 42nd Street. Yep. And, um, and also on October 10th, I'm actually throwing these dates all yeah, here. I apologize for that no. not being in chronological order. Um, I just got booked on the, uh, uh, there's a show up in New York, uh, New York city that I'll be doing a performance, uh, from 530 to 730. It's actually, uh, Twisted Sisters rehearsal studio. That's and right. it's a, um, it's a show that like, actually goes on as a podcast after Dee Snyder's House of Hair. Oh, so it's cool. Uh, it'll be pretty cool. I, I just talked to the guy actually before you called. So um, we have that all booked up, and I'm going to get all the details, and, and
0: I'll, I'll have that stuff,
2: of course, on my website and everything. Great. Now, on your Facebook, um, you have quite a few videos of yourself doing kind of product reviews for pianos and stuff. Or, uh, are they officially still called Pianos and Stuff, or is it just PNS? I know their URL changed. Um, yeah,
1: well, I think they go by, because look, like, I mean, I've seen being, doing business with them for how many years now. I mean, I still call them pianos and stuff. Yeah. Um I don't, they're a marketing term, think they go by N-Stuff Music. Um, yeah. so it's instuffmusic.com is usually like, you know, when they, when we do the product reviews, that's what they usually ask, you know, to, to reference that because it's, the URL is what's really driving that, you know, that URL to their site. Yeah. And um, so it's, uh, I mean, so I'll either call on, you know, PNS, uh, or I'll call them in stuff or whatever, you know. But yeah. normally it's like, you know, if I have to make a trip over there, you know, I'll just. just to me, it's just it's just pianos and stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, can't, I can't get that the name out of my head that way. But um, uh, yeah, I have done a few reviews from them, and it's been a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, that's that's interesting stuff. I I can't get used to to calling it even when I go to to look for their website. I still Google pianos and stuff because you know it's yeah. just, This is what it is, you know. Been that way for God, I don't know how long. As long as I've been able to go and gawk at the guitars hanging on the wall there. Right, right. A great, great. place
1: I, I, you, know, I, I, you know, that's some of my fondest memories is going in there. Like when I was, you know, I could have been, you know, poor as dirt and walk in there and see these guitars. And be like, oh, you know, the window shopping there was just amazing.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good because you, when you would go in there, and it's just to throw a little plug for the store, one of the best things about the store I always found was that you don't have people pouncing on you to sell you stuff the minute you walk in the door. It's it's oh, almost cool. it's it's almost like a New York deli where you've got to flag someone down a lot of days. Uh,
1: but well, I mean, you get, but the staff there is amazing because everybody that's on staff there is, is a real musician. You know, like, yeah. like, um, you know whether they're playing out every weekend or not. I mean, even the store schedule is kind of tailored around. Um, like I look at musician schedule so you you got you kind of have to admire that. And yeah. um, I mean, I, I've known those guys for like a lot of years, and and um, yeah, I always make a joke that I own stock in the store. You <laughs> know
2: <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad thing to have stock in. Well, Xander, I want to thank you. Um, I know you've got some things to do, and uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show, man.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure.
2: All right, that was Xander Demos I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Again, he'll be performing at the altar Bar with. Uh, opening for the dio disciples on the 23rd uh, so you can check that out uh, you can check out his website or facebook uh, not a hard guy to find xander spelled X A N D E R D M O S, which is D E M O S. Uh, you can find him on facebook uh, it's got a lot of great stuff going on you can check out a lot of those pianos and stuff videos that we were talking about in the interview so check that out and again special thanks to tony from total music and entertainment and also uh, the awesome Nick Katniss of Black Label Society. And again, we want to remind you, go to ironcityrocks.com. You can click on the contest link, enter to win that uh, autograph prize pack. Uh, we're at Facebook, uh, forward slash ironcityrocks, twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks on iTunes as well. So mention us on any of those and uh, you'll be entered to win that. Uh, again that uh, originally when we first announced the contest it was open to u.s. residents only that restriction has been removed thanks to nick's camp uh they were gracious enough to uh, not only donate the items to be given away but also donate the postage so wherever you're at and hear the sound of my voice enter the contest you get a chance to win so we hope you enjoyed the show we invite you to come back next time Uh, we will be featuring an interview with great white guitarist mark kendall uh, great white will be performing in the pittsburgh area and i know there's been a lot of uh curiosity as to what's going on with great white uh many of you know jack russell uh has been in some failing health lately and they've got uh, another vocalist singing for them from xyz uh, terry illos so you can check out that interview next time uh, and we'll go into part four of the producer series with tony and aaron thank you very much and we hope you enjoy the show